And as you're being seated this morning, if you uh, have the Bible app, you can press uh, this Bible there, and it'll open up to you for First Timothy, or Second Timothy, chapter one and verse seven. Second Timothy, chapter one and verse seven. If you don't have the Bible app, then whoop open your Bible or your uh, phone or whatever you got, and let's look at this together. First Timothy, or Second Timothy, chapter one and verse seven. Second Timothy, chapter one and verse seven. I keep wanting to make it 1 Timothy, don't I? I began last week uh, on this uh, series of messages relating to areas of patchy fog. Sometimes in a weather report, uh, you'll see that they're saying that there's going to be some areas of patchy fog, which means you'll have some clear driving at points in your life, but uh, there'll be moments that as you're traveling, you're going to hit an area of patchy fog. And so they give you that warning because when you hit an area of patchy fog, it can really throw you off and create an accident. Because when you hit fog, it causes you to lose your visibility, your clarity of sight, and sometimes and many times it causes your actions and reactions to be totally different. And so as you're driving, you have to watch out for areas of patchy fog. This morning I want to, uh, a matter of fact, let me ask this question. Is there anybody in here that suffers from nebulophobia? Some of you are laughing. Because you're probably like me before I studied about it. You thought, what in the world is nebulophobia? Well, nebulophobia is a fear of fog. And a person who has nebulophobia is a person that they have such a fear of fog that if they hear there's fog or see there's fog, they go into either a sense of paralyzation of like, oh no, and they just freeze up because they're afraid if they're driving, they may have an accident and suffer injury, and so they freeze up, they're paralyzed. The other aspect is either if they don't react with being paralyzed, they panic which means they get such a panic that they probably do the opposite of what they should do, which ends up resulting in injury and uh, an accident. And so people that suffer from nebulophobia have a fear of fog. This morning I want to kind of take nebulophobia and kind of flip it around, and instead of talking about a fear of fog, I want to talk about the fog of fear. Because fear can fog our thinking to where we don't have clarity of vision of seeing things the way that we should see them. And it also causes us to not act and react the way that we should. And so this morning I want to look at that, the fear of fog, or the fog of fear I mean, and how that fear can cause us to react the way that we shouldn't react. Now as we look at that today, we're going to be looking at 2 Timothy 1.7, and as we look at these scriptures, it's going to tell us that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. So if you want to just kind of look at that real quickly in your Bible app or on your Bible, and it says in that 2 Timothy 1.7, for God has not given us a spirit of fear but of power, love, and a sound mind. Now, the first thing that kind of pops out of my mind when I see that, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, if God hasn't given it to us, then where does fear come from? Well, there's two main sources for everything in life from a spiritual standpoint. It either comes from God or Satan. So understand this, if God has not given us a spirit of fear, Fear must be coming from Satan, right? So God has not given us 
a spirit of fear. Now, notice it didn't say God has not given us fear, but it says a spirit of fear. So it's not talking about that one instant moment of a sensation of fear for some instant at one time, but it's talking about an ongoing sense of fear. A spirit of fear means that there is some fear of some source or some area in your life that has kind of got a grip on you, and when that fear hits you, just like the fear of fog, it causes you to either panic or be paralyzed. You either do nothing or you probably do the wrong thing when that fear sets in. When I was uh, in school and played basketball, if I ever went into a game and started getting really nervous and if I started thinking about, oh, I, I hope I don't mess up in my dribbling or my shooting, you know what would happen? I'd get so afraid of it, I couldn't dribble and I couldn't shoot. Fear had overcome me and I did the exact thing that I didn't want to do. It causes you to do that. So when you allow fear to get into your life or the spirit of fear, that which you have a fear of doing, you will usually do because the fear puts it so heavily on your mind. And so fear can be paralyzing and fear can also cause you to panic, to have those moments that reoccur over some area of your life. Now, fear, as I've looked through the Bible and thought about life, there's probably three general categories of fear that you could think of. There is what the Bible would describe as a holy fear. It's described in Deuteronomy 6.13. It says, you shall fear the Lord your God and serve him. And it's talking about a holy fear that you reverence God, that you respect him. And so you're supposed to be in awe of who God is. That is a holy fear, a reverent fear, a respectful fear. There's also healthy fear because the Bible tells us in Matthew 10.28, do not fear those who kill the body or can kill the, uh, but cannot kill the soul, but rather fear him meaning God, who's able to destroy both soul and body in hell. So a healthy fear is you realize where you need to have your fears at. But this morning, what I want to look at is those things which we would call a harmful fear. The areas that fear hit our life that causes us to either panic or to be paralyzed. It harms our actions and our reactions in our life. So as we look at this this morning in 2 Timothy 1.7 that says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. We're going to probably look at some truths about how that we can overcome fear. But we're also going to see how that Satan has some tactics that he uses to cause us to be paralyzed or panic from fear. Now fear, I want you to understand this. There's going to be two choices Either fear will overcome you, or you will overcome fear. So let's look first at that. Fear can overcome you. One of the first fears that I see in the Bible, and I'm going to kind of make some mention about the uh, servant that is identified in Matthew chapter 25 in verses 14 through 30. Because in those scriptures, the Lord tells us about three servants, that their master was going on a trip. And he gave those three servants some talents. One servant, he gave five talents, and while the master was gone, that servant took his five talents, and he invested it, he used it wisely, and when the master came back, he had doubled his talents, so he had ten talents. And so the master came back, and he said, you are a very good, faithful servant. We're going to give you more talents, more responsibility, because of your faithfulness. There was another servant that apparently wasn't as well trusted by the master. He only gave him two talents. 
But he did the same thing. He invested it. He used it. And when the master came back, he had doubled it. And he had four talents. And the master likewise recognized him and rewarded him for what he had done. But then there was this one servant that apparently the master didn't have as much faith in him and he only gave him one talent. And the Bible tells us that that servant was afraid. The Bible tells us that the servant, when the master came back, he said, I was afraid. And so I took that talent and I hid it. I knew that you were a hard master and that you reap where you don't sow. And, and I, I know how that you are. And I was so afraid that I would lose that talent. I took it and hid it. But look, there it is. And the master didn't reward him because he hid his talent, because he was afraid. But he condemned him because he didn't take it and use it. He let fear overcome him. And so we're going to learn a few things about from that servant how there are different types of fear that can cause us to be paralyzed or panic. Now, the first one I said is the fear of failure. The fear of failure can overcome us in our life to where we don't either do anything or we don't do the right things in our life. And as I looked at these scriptures in Matthew 25, in that verse 25, it tells us that the servant was afraid and that he hid the one talent that his master gave him. He hid it in the ground, and when his master came back, he acknowledged I was afraid, so I hid that talent that you gave me. What was this servant's problem? He had a fear of failure and that it overcame him. He thought, if I, if I do anything with it, I may lose it, and then the master's really going to be ticked off at me, so I'm just going to take it and bury it and hide it. And so the fear of failure overcame him. And you know, in our Christian lives, we sometimes struggle with fear of failure in our lives. Sometimes in a spiritual standpoint, sometimes it's just in life in general, but we have a fear of failure. From a Christian standpoint, we can have a fear of failure that we're afraid to take on maybe a new task, like maybe you're given the opportunity to teach a class or take on some responsibility and immediately your mind is filled with fear. Oh God, I can't, I can't teach a class. No, I, I've never taught before. I'm, I'm really not talented as a teacher, and so I, I can't do that. The fear of failure overcomes you now it can be in any area of our life it might be a teaching a class or just taking on some responsibility or it might be an opportunity I have seen people that have been given opportunities at their work and say we're going to promote you to so-and-so and the first response is oh and then the second response is oh what if I what if I fail what if I don't do good what if because they've given me this promotion and I don't, I'm not successful at it, they end up firing me. And I've seen people say, you know what, I think I'll just stay at doing what I'm doing now. And so the fear of failure paralyzes them. I'm not going to change. I'm not going to try anything. I'm not going to do anything because I am afraid that I'm going to fail. Fear of failure defeats us in our life spiritually and Financially, if fear of failure defeats us in all different aspects of our life, many people have not been able to see what potential God has put into their life because they have a fear of failure. Not willing to step out on faith and try something and see what God might do in their life. And so fear of failure can overcome you to where you're defeated in your life and never experience what God really has for you. Another fear is the fear of rejection. Fear of rejection can overcome you. 
And the servant tells, the tells us about the servant and that he felt that the master might reject him because of the expectations that the master might have. And so the fear of, overge- or of rejection had overcome him to the point that he just didn't do anything. And in the Christian life, we can sometimes have this fear of rejection as well. We're afraid that if we maybe, you know, we know that we've heard the preacher talk about sharing the gospel and telling others about Christ, to go out and maybe invite somebody to church, but this fear of rejection, I'm afraid that if, if I share with somebody or if I tell them about God, they might laugh at me, make fun of me, they'll basically reject me. Or maybe they might ask me a question and, I, and I'm not prepared for it. So there's that fear of rejection. I'm not going to be able to be successful at it. I'm going to get rejected. And therefore, I'm just not going to do anything. You become paralyzed because of the fear of rejection. There's also the fear of embarrassment. The fear of embarrassment can overcome you. In these scriptures, this servant The Bible tells us that he said, I know that my master reaps where he doesn't sow, and so he is one who always is having success, and I don't want to look like I have failed, so that would be embarrassing to me. And so his fear of embarrassment as he would stand before his master overcame him, and he didn't do anything. And you know, it's the same way in our life. We have that fear of embarrassment. We're afraid, you know, when God speaks to us and he wants us to take a step and just trust him. And we're afraid, I'm going to get embarrassed. I'm going to embarrass myself. Because I've never done that before. Why would God be asking me to, to do this? This just seems like something that's going to bring a lot of embarrassment to me. And therefore, I, I'm, just, I'm not going to try it. And it causes you maybe even to have a sense of panic. Matter of fact, I think that probably of the things I've mentioned, a fear of failure, fear of rejection, the fear of embarrassment will cause somebody to panic faster than anything. And then I give you a last one is the fear of loss. The fear of loss can overcome a person. And that fear of loss is like this servant had. He was afraid that he would lose that one talent that his master gave him. And so he hid it in the ground. And when the master came back, he said, there it is. It's still there. I did not lose it it's right there what you gave me but the bible tells us you know that the master was not happy with that he had such a fear of loss that had it overcame him and he was punished instead of receiving a reward you know i've seen people that in all different aspects of loss the fear of loss would just cause them to be paralyzed or panic there was a woman named hetty green that uh, she, she died in the early 1900s, but she, in her lifetime, you know, probably, let me just ask this, and I want you to give me a response. If I ask you who the wealthiest woman in the world is, who would you say? I heard some Oprah, Queen Elizabeth, anybody else? I think they've decided that the, uh, the Kardashian uh, What's her name? Uh, Chloe? Is that her? Huh? Kylie, the one that's done the makeup and stuff. Kylie, I think they have decided now that she has become the wealthiest person. She's become a billionaire and uh, because of her name that carried with her and the product that she produced. And so she has become what they think now may be the wealthiest woman in the world. 
And, uh, and apparently she's not afraid of losing it because she's using it. But uh, the fear of loss. But in this early 1900s, there was a woman named Hetty Green. She was obsessed with wealth. She had gained wealth from her mother's side of the family, her dad's side of the family. She had done some very frugal things that had uh, got, caused her to grant, gain great wealth. But she was afraid of losing what she had. Now, she kept gaining and gaining. When she died in the early 1900s, she had around $100 million, which would equate to about $2 billion today. She died with about $100 million But she was known as the witch of Wall Street because she was always afraid of losing anything and she would do whatever it took to make sure she never lost anything and she only gained. Matter of fact, uh, history, stories have been passed down through time. She had a son that uh, broke his leg and she was so afraid of losing money and keeping every penny that she had that when he broke his leg, she tried to get him into a free clinic. But they recognized who she was. It was a free clinic for people who were poor. But somebody recognized who she was, and so they rejected her and wouldn't let him be treated. And so through a series of things that she tried to do to get her son treated without having to spend as much money, he ended up causing infection, and over a period of time, his leg had to be amputated. And so many people have put it upon her shoulder that her fear of losing money caused her own son to lose his leg. Many stories, and she became known as the Witch of Wall Street because of things that she would do because she was afraid she would lose what she had. The good news is that the son and uh, daughter that inherited the money, when it all ended up, it ended up in the daughter's hand from Hetty Green, and she gave all the wealth away to churches and schools and everything. It was given away to a good cause. But Hetty was known as the Witch of Wall Street because she was afraid that she would lose something. Fear of loss had overcome her. And you know, I have seen people that have been the same way. They're afraid to invest anything or spend anything because they don't want to lose anything. I even seen people who are afraid to tithe and give to God what belongs to God because they're afraid they may not have enough to pay their bills or be able to do the things pleasurably that they want to do. Fear of loss can cause us to panic or to be paralyzed. Fear of loss can overcome you. Now, as I've looked at what I consider some of the four major fears that can overcome you, we go back to the Scripture, and it says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear. We don't determine that Satan gives us a spirit of fear. Fear of rejection, failure, embarrassment, loss. But God has given us what the Bible says, power, love, and a sound mind. I said you can either allow fear to overcome you, or you can overcome fear. You can either live your life in the fear of failure and rejection and embarrassment and loss, or you can grab hold of the last part of that verse, which was what God wants to give us, and that is the spirit and a power, love and a sound mind. How do we overcome fears in our life if we have some fears? Do we have to live in fear? No. God doesn't want Satan to have victory in our life. He wants us to have victory over Satan. Amen? And so the Bible's telling us God has given us things to overcome fear. So let's think about this. God has given us his power. One of the things I love in the Bible is that when it talks about the power of God in the New Testament, it uses a Greek word, which is, is the word dunamis, which is the word that we get the word dynamite. 
The Bible is telling us that God's power that works in us is dynamite changing power. If you have your Bible, I want you to look at one verse with me right quickly. Ephesians 3.20. If you would look at that with me this morning. Ephesians 3.20 is a verse that I just love to read and to remind myself about what God can do in our life and how great God is. But it's not just about how great God is, it's how great God is working in our life. So if you listen and say amen. Here's what it says, Ephesians 3.20. Now to him, capital H, which is God, now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. So God has the ability, he has the power to do anything we could ask him, anything we can think of, anything we could imagine, God has the power to do. Now that doesn't mean just let your mind go crazy and ask God to do it and he's going to do it because some of us are crazy in our way of thinking and we're a little bit wild and self-centered. But it says God has the power to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think or imagine. And then it says this, according to the power that works in us. To him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. The Bible says that it's according to his power that works in us. We don't have to be overcome or defeated by fear. We don't have to allow Satan to control our lives because the Bible is telling us God has not given us that spirit of fear, but he's given us power. And it's not a power within ourselves, but it's God's power in us. And the Bible also tells us that his power is manifested in our what? Weaknesses. When we are weak, that's when he shows his strength. You may be thinking this morning, but pastor, this fear, I've had it for years. It has gripped me. It has overcome me. I am so weakened by this particular area of fear. Now listen, sometimes when we think of a person that has been defeated by fear is a person who is so meek and timid and wimpy and bashful and backward. Sometimes fear does that to people. But there are some people that they are smiley, they're friendly, and on the outside everything looks good, but on the inside They're like melting wax in certain areas of their life. And you may be thinking, Lord, I've put on a good front for most people. Nobody knows I have this fear. You may be thinking, I've had it for years and years, and I've tried different things. But the Bible is telling us God has dynamite-changing power. Think about dynamite. My grandfather used to tell me... uh, he, my grandfather uh, did uh, dozing and digging and so forth and did it, put in septic tanks and fill lines from the early stages to, to when he died. My father did the same thing after him. And, uh, but one thing I didn't know was that in the early days, my grandfather told me that when they had an area that maybe wasn't doing good for fill lines, they would dig and then they would put dynamite in it before they put the pipe in. And they would set the dynamite off. I'm thinking, okay, make some big holes, soak up lots of sewage, yeah. But what he said was the dynam- they would use the dynamite to create such a shock in the ground that it would cause it to, to not be so dense. It would loosen it, its effect, and so then it would absorb. So the dynamite had the power to change even the earth. 
Dynamite has a power to change. It has a power to move things. If I lit a stick of dynamite and throwed it out there, I guarantee you I saw Kenneth Cox coming in on a, a cane. But probably the, if I throw dynamite out there, that cane would be using, get out of my way. I'm coming through. Dynamite has a power to change things and move things. That's what God's power has. If you surrender your life to God, whatever fear you have, he can do exceedingly above what you could ask or think or imagine. So won't you just take a moment today and ask him to let his power work in you to change you and to overcome the fear that you have in your life. The Bible in that verse tells not only that he has given his, his power, but his love. His love overcomes fear because in 1 John 4, 18, it tells us that perfect, fe- perfect love overcomes fear. And so when we have the love of God in our lives, his love overcomes us. And why would that be true? You can think, okay, I understand God's power can overcome fear, but how come he said power and love? How is love, oh, I love you. How's that going to overcome my fear? When you understand how much God loves you, you understand he doesn't want you to live in fear. One of my grandkids had a fear of wind, and they have overcome that. It took quite a while of overcoming that fear. When the wind started blowing and things started moving, it caused them to panic. You know how things through the parents and grandparents, how that fear was overcome? Bible verses talking about God. That God loves you. He doesn't, he's not going to hurt you. He doesn't want that wind to damage you. And so talking about God's love, talking about Bible verses, they overcame that fear of the wind. When the Bible talks about perfect love overcomes or casts out fear, it's telling us that when you and I understand that God loves us that much, we understand God doesn't want us to live in a fear. Whether it's a fear of failure or rejection or embarrassment or loss, God doesn't want us to live in that. And long as we love him with all our heart, soul, mind, body, and strength, when we have put all our love in him, we know we can fully trust in him. And so the Bible tells us God has not only given us his power to work in our weakness, but he's also given us his love to cast out fear. And then there's that last thing that the Bible tells us, and that is he's given us power, dynamite-changing power. He's given us love, love that casts out fear because we know God loves us and we're loving him enough to trust in him. But God has given us a sound mind. He's given us his soundness of mind. Sound mind is not that you, when the Bible's talking about being of a sound mind, it's not talking about having some educational smarts. It's not talking about being able to really analyze and logic things out very clearly. But here's what the Bible says in Romans chapter 12 and verse 2. The Bible tells us that we must renew our minds, which lets us know the human perspective and logic is not always the right way of thinking. When the Bible talks about us renewing our mind, it's talking about a change of our way of thinking from the inside out. And just like I told you that God's word helped overcome fear, God's word is what renews our mind and our way of thinking and causes us to have clarity to make the best decisions because we've been renewed to understand what God's word says and what God's direction is for our life. So let me ask you this question this morning. What fear has overcome you today? What fear in your life 
is defeating you. And you may feel like, you know what, I, Brett, I'm a pretty successful person. But a lot of times, even people who are successful have one area that fear is defeating them. It's conquering them. It's causing them to be, what I say, one of two things. Either to be paralyzed, they just don't do anything, or panic. They don't do the right thing. You know, I told you early on in this message that when I played basketball, if I ever went into a game and started getting a sense of fear that I was going to mess up, that I couldn't, wouldn't, I couldn't be able to dribble good or I couldn't shoot good, and inevitably, every time I had those fears, I wouldn't be able to dribble good, I wouldn't be able to shoot good. Now, was it just destined because the other team was so good I wouldn't be able to dribble good? Or, no. It was because the fear overcame me. And when fear overcomes you, what you fear usually comes true in your life. Not because of other things, but because of the fear itself. So here's what I would leave you this morning. Fear can overcome you, or you can overcome fear. It's your choice. You'll either be a coward, or you'll be courageous and defeat it today. I want to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes while the musicians come. And I'm asking you to bow your heads and close your eyes for just a moment because I want you to get all other distractions out of your thinking. And I want you to just take just a moment to allow God to speak to you and for you to think for yourself. Don't look at anybody else. Don't look at me. But just take a moment right now and think, is there an area of your life that fear has overcome you? It's defeating you. Is it a fear of failure? Afraid that you're going to fail? Is it a fear of rejection? Afraid that other people are going to reject you by what you say or by what you do? Is it a fear of embarrassment? That you're going to do something that maybe somebody's going to laugh at you, make fun of you, humiliate yourself? Is it a fear of loss? Afraid that you're going to lose what little that you do have? What area of fear has got a hold of you in your life? Is it about time that you hang on and remember God says he has not given us a spirit of fear, but what he has given us is to defeat fear, his power, that dynamite changing power. He's able to do exceedingly abundantly what you can think, ask, or imagine. So today's the day to think about what fears you have and ask God to give you victory by his power working in you. God has given you his love because perfect love, and that's the only love that can come from God, is a perfect love. It casts out fear. God has given you a soundness of mind. That when you're in his word and you allow his spirit to speak to you and he renews your way of thinking, you see, you got to change the way you think about your fear. Instead of a fear that you're going to be rejected, be confident that you're going to be successful. Instead of having a fear of failure, have a confidence that you're going to be victorious. Instead of having a fear of embarrassment, have the confidence that you're going to do something that's going to make a difference. Instead of a fear of loss, have confidence that you're going to do something that's going to gain and profit. Fear can overcome you or you can overcome fear. It's your choice. Lord, I come to you this morning. And Lord, at 2 Timothy 1.7 has for a long time been one of my favorite verses. 
For God has not given us a spirit of fear. Lord, you hadn't given us this spirit, this area of our life that we just kind of get paralyzed or panic. It's Satan that brings that. Now, we might have a moment of fear that can be a good fear. A fear of a particular situation that's dangerous to us. But it's those harmful fears of failure and rejection and embarrassment and loss that causes us to be paralyzed or panic. God, you haven't given it to us, but Satan has. But what you have given us is what will overcome that spirit of fear. Power. Dynamite changing power. Love. The love of God that casts out fear. And a sound mind. A renewed way of thinking. So God, we pray, Lord, that you would just help us to think about this morning. Do I want to be overcome by fear? Or do I want to overcome my fear? And Lord, I pray, God, that you just work in a mighty way to give victory this morning. While you're praying and thinking about your life, maybe there might be someone here today that maybe you've never accepted Christ. To think about God and his love and his power and a sound mind working in you may be kind of foreign. But maybe you never have given your heart and life to the Lord. Maybe you've never surrendered to him. If that's your need and desire this morning to give your heart and life to the Lord, to receive his free gift of salvation, for his spirit to come and live in you and work in you and guide you to overcome fears and things that you have in your life. If that's your desire this morning, would you just say a silent prayer in your heart? This prayer will be you surrendering your life to the Lord. That's all he's asking. And then his spirit comes to live in you when you do that. But would you say this prayer silently in your heart? Dear Lord, I know I've made some mistakes in my life. I know I've sinned. Today I ask for your forgiveness. I ask you to take away all the sins of my life. And I surrender my life to you. I ask you to save me today. Now while heads are bowed and eyes are closed, if you ask the Lord to save you and to come into your life this morning, you made the most important decision of your life. And I want to rejoice with you. If you prayed that prayer with me this morning and you really meant that, would you just slip up your hand for just a moment so I can pray for you? Nobody else looking around. But if you prayed that prayer with me this morning, just slip up your hand just to say, Pastor, I prayed that prayer and I gave my heart and life to the Lord this morning. Maybe you're a Christian and maybe you know that there's been some things in your life, some areas that you've struggled with, some fears that you've had, some things that have kind of got the victory in your life. But today you want to get the victory. You don't want to be overcome by Satan, but you want to overcome Satan in those areas. And you want me to pray for you. Would you just slip up your hands and say, Pastor, would you pray for me this morning? Yes, 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 yes. I see those hands. All different ages, different genders. We all have these challenges that we face in our life. Dear Lord, God, I thank you for those who were open and honest that raised their hand and said, Pastor, would you pray for me? Because this is an area in my life that I've had some challenges, some struggles, some, some defeat. And fear or other things have overcome me and I need to overcome them by power, love, and a sound mind. So Lord, I pray, God, that you just begin to work in their life and may this be the beginning point that is going to change your life with the dynamite power of God. By the love of God just surrounding them and consuming them, by changing their way of thinking through God's Word. There's just something amazing that when we look to your Word and find those verses that contradict what Satan has put in our minds, it gives us such victory. So God, I pray you do that for those who raise their hand. Lord, may you be glorified in some lives today. In your name I pray, amen.